If you got your lift notes, you can get them ready to rock here. Bible's out. We'll be in primarily Matthew 25. But this is going to be essentially a part two from last week. As we began the the fast, the the season that as my wife and I were praying and really kind of looking into 2022, what do we believe the Lord is stirring up as his word for us? And it came really out of the, the Christmas series. And here it is, Isaiah 9, 7 says this, of the increase of his kingdom, there will be no end. That's out of that famous prophetic passage that talks about the Messiah that is coming. And we really felt like the, the Holy Spirit, like a laser, wanted us to focus on this beautiful word of increase. If we can take to the bank that that is the heart of God for our lives That is an incredibly hopeful way to start the year. I mean, if you think about just the world we live in and all the challenges and problems and chaos and and so many people that are trying to find that mooring point, that anchor point of what do they, is there reason to have hope? And with so many people, you know, kind of like blindly grabbing around and, and trying to feel for that anchor point and just... The answer is no, I don't know, I'm being tossed to and fro by so many different things and I'm just getting kind of dragged like a wave, you know, you get tossed by a wave and you're underground, you're just dragging along the sand and the rocks and nothing to grab onto and that is absolutely not what God promises that he wants for your life. He says, I want to so root you, anchor you, give you something to hold on to that even in the midst of the waves, even in the midst of the hard times, you have an anchor and you are not afraid. In, in fact, you have hope. You know that God is on the move. The heart of God is so towards you in a good way, with goodness and mercy, as Psalm 26, Psalm 23 just said, that you actually have hope. That the abundant goodness that Jesus describes is going to increase in my life this year. That is a wild thing to claim. It's wild. But it is absolutely the heart of God. And we spent the whole last week establishing that. So if you weren't here with us, we encourage you. You can jump online, weareelevation.com, listen to the message. It's established firmly, just to very, very briefly reiterate it. It's established firmly in that passage in Isaiah 9, 6 to 7, where it says that at the right time, God is going to send a Savior into the world And the names of this Savior, the names of this Messiah will be Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And then it goes on to say, and of the increase of his government or his reign on earth in your life, there will be no end. And so the Messiah, if he's real, is going to embody that heart of God. And that's where we looked at the life of Jesus, and kind of put it to the test a little bit and say, does Jesus embody this heart of God? Does he embody that he is the prince of peace, the one to reconcile us to God so that you and I can have peace with God? 
Is he the one that demonstrates that God is that everlasting father that is good beyond our wildest imaginations and even our, our, our best inclinations as humans to care about kids, especially if we're parents, grandparents, we have that longing and desire to take care of them. And Jesus says, yeah, that's, that's good, but it's nothing compared to the perfection of your father in heaven. Or the reality that he's the mighty God. He fights on your behalf. That God is not fighting against you, he is fighting for you. And a lot of people need to settle that in their hearts. Is God against me? Is he fighting against me? Jesus going on the cross for you is the ultimate answer to that question. God is for you, not against you. And that wonderful counselor that Jesus spoke of, that God would be so near, so present, so personal, that God himself, the God of the universe, would make his home in you in a way where you hear his voice, his sheep hear my voice, Jesus says, I call them by name. <laughs> I call them by name. They hear my voice. And I lead them out. You can't get more personal than the God of the universe. Not only knowing you by name, but calling you by name. And you know that he knows your name and is calling you by name. Because you hear it and you know it's him. And he knows your name. And he's saying in the most personal way possible, I want to lead you through life every step of the way. And so Jesus, with flying colors, passes the Messiah test as the one who would embody these aspects of the nature of God. And in all of that, what he's showing us is that nature of God that should give us the confidence that God's will for each and every one of our lives is that his kingdom would increase right now. Isaiah 9, 7, of the increase of that government, that reigning of God across the world and in individual lives, God's will is that it never ends. That's good news, that we can wake up in the morning and say it doesn't have to do with whether or not I've earned it. It's grace coming my way. That the Savior of the universe came from heaven to earth, lived the perfect life, died on the cross, our death, rose from the dead to prove that everything he said could be trusted, that he has power over death and can now give it out as eternal life. And in that eternal life, he says, abundant life is my will for you. That it would increase, not decrease. Increase is a good word. In the midst of the chaos of this world, I mean, if you can take to the bank the reality that God's heart is that you would increase the experience of his kingdom, you're living a different life. You are way off the map of normal, way off the map in the best possible way. To truly believe that increase of his kingdom is his will and the zeal of the Lord is working to accomplish this, as it says in Isaiah 9-7. That gets me fired up. I mean, we're all looking for anchor points of hope. We all put our hope in something or a lot of people now have tried and they get hopeless. So it really matters where you're putting your hope and whether or not it's real. What you trust matters. And Jesus is faithful to be trusted. And I know you guys, so many of you know that in such a way where it's kind of like, yeah, hey, get on to the next part of the message. But man, that's something to bask in. That you have hope and it's real. You know that God is real. You know he's personal, powerful, and present. So you get up in the morning and you have hope. You are a weird person right now. You're blessed. That is good news that God has encountered you in a way where this increase of his kingdom has become a real hope. We don't want to take that for granted. 
We want to bask in it. And we want to say, God, make it deeper. Make it more real. So the times of struggle, the times of doubt, the times of worry and wonder, you take us back to the reality that your heart for us is increase of your kingdom. Let me take us to two quick other verses just to kind of prime that pump a little bit. And uh, I, I'm feeling a little spicy here. I want to hear some declarations of increase over your lives. So as I read these verses, just real quick, this is going to be quick and fun, quick little reminders of God's heart of increase for each and every one of us all the time. Now, as Paul said beautifully, my brother-in-law and the Apostle Paul, they're one. No, just kidding. Doesn't mean it's always easy. But in the midst of all the highs and the lows, the valleys and the victories, God is at work to increase his kingdom in our hearts and through us. And that's the hope. So as I read these passages, when you see increase the word and we come across it, I want you guys to shout increase as a prayerful declaration that you believe it over your life. Got it? You with me? All right, here we go. 2 Corinthians 9, 10 to 11. This is good news for you. He who supplies, this is God, who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply. Just look at the heart of God in all this. It's increase, increase. Will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase. the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way in order to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. God wants you to be enriched in every way, that's a heart of increase, so that, and there's purpose in it, that you can be generous in every way. As Jesus said in other places, freely you receive, freely you shall give. That's the heart of the Father is to freely give, increase of his kingdom. Mark 4, 8, here's another one. Other seeds fell into the good soil, which is you. You have a heart that says, I want to know God. That's good soil. Other seeds fell into the good soil and produced grain growing up and You're not excited enough about how good of news that is. Let's try one more time. This is a, this is a prayer declaration. Thank you. Other seeds fell into the good soil, produced grain growing up in. Yes. Woo. Childlike faith. That was the best one of all. And yielding, listen to this. 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. I mean, is God not a God of increase? This is Jesus saying the gospel is that the seed of God's word goes into your heart, and when it finds good soil, the God-intended result is a hundred-fold increase. That's like a summary of the gospel of the kingdom according to Jesus. You cannot say God is not a God of increase. Colossians 1, 9 to 10, last one. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. So now this is the Apostle Paul's prayer. He knows the heart of God, and he's praying this for the whole church. From the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of God's will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. That's Paul's prayer. I know he gets big and flowery in his language, but the bottom line is his prayer is they would increase in the knowledge of God, knowing God. That was my brother Paul's song he just wrote, knowing God. 
increasing in that. That is what life is all about all the time, forever. I mean, eternal life is knowing God, Jesus said in John 17, 3. So for the rest of eternity, that's what it's all about, knowing that infinite God in personal, powerful, and present ways. Unbelievable. So that's the heart of God. If we can grab onto that and let it plant seeds of hope in our lives and then turn those seeds of hope into a response, an action, a yes, Lord, a what do you want me to do with this, God? And you start to look at every area of your life and believe, as Paul said here, that God's desire is that you would be enriched in every way, increase in every area of your life, meaning that the kingdom of God, the goodness of heaven, the reign of God would transform every single area of your life. In other words, no area of your life is outside the realm which God wants to reign and transform. There's nothing in life, literally nothing, that you can look at and put a little category on it and say, God doesn't care about this, or this doesn't matter to God, or God doesn't want to reign here, God doesn't want to transform this so it looks more like the goodness of heaven. Nothing. And so our life, be, get, our, our life becomes a privilege in which we get to partner with God, co-labor with God in real relationship, knowing his heart of increase, and we get to look little by little. It's from glory to glory, Paul said, and look at different aspects of our life, different areas, different spheres of influence, and with great joy, surrender those to God and say, God, what does it look like for you to increase in this area, for your kingdom to reign in my heart, in my actions, and over the fruit that comes out of me? And then there's that relationship where God shows you the partnership. And that's what we want to look at this morning. We're on to that question of our partnership, our part of our relationship with God. What's our part in this increase? Do we just lay there and do nothing and all of a sudden it's like, oh, cool, I'm like Jesus now. No, it doesn't work that way. It's a relationship. Whereas God's saying, here's where I want to increase. He invites us with great privilege and responsibility in the process. So let's look into that a little bit here. Matthew 25, very famous parable for good reason. We're going to go over it quickly. 25, 14 to 30. For it will be like, and just so you know, the context is very clearly, this is Jesus talking about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven, as it said in Matthew, as a good Jew, he had great reverence for the name of God, and so he would switch out God with heaven. And Jesus is telling a number of consecutive parables about what the kingdom of heaven is like, what, the, what it looks like when God's will is done in your life on earth as it is in heaven. And Jesus tells a bunch of different parables, parables to give us pictures of what this looks like, what this feels like. What is that transformation going to be like? How does it happen? The seed one is, is another one of those parables. And so now we get into this one. The kingdom of heaven will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. 
But he who had received the one talent went and dug it in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents? Here, I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Come and enter into the joy of your master. And he also, he also who had the two talents came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here, I've made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid. I went and I hid your, your talent in the ground. Here you have, here, have back what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scatter no seed, then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him, give it to the one who has ten. For to everyone who has more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast this worthless servant into outer darkness, in the place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That took a turn. This is an incredibly deep uh, parable. So I'm letting you know ahead of time, I'm not going to cover every aspect. I just want to hit, with the time we have today, uh, a few of the incredible realities that Jesus is painting about God and our life and his relationship with us. Some absolutely precious things. If we ask that question, what's our part in this relationship? If God's will for our life, which he makes clear in a thousand different ways, is the increase of his kingdom, and we can take that to the bank. We start 2022, we have the firm hope because of who Jesus is, what he's done in his life, what he's preached, what he's modeled, what he showed us. We can trust that God's will for your life is the increase of his kingdom. And we ask those questions of, okay, so what's my part? How do I respond to that? What's my response ability? And this parable speaks so much to that reality. That the kingdom increase in our life is directly connected to the types of investments that we make in our life. That investing well brings kingdom increase. Before we get too far into it, though, let me just real quick make that point, if it's not already clear, that this passage affirms the same thing as all the passages we've been looking at the last couple weeks, which is kingdom increase is clearly the will of God for your life. That's what Jesus, that's one of the main points of this parable is to know the heart of God for you and that his kingdom desire is to see his kingdom increase in your life. I mean, look at it. He who had received five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered me five. I've made five more. His master said, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a little. Now let me give you more. So you start with five. 
you get the point that your responsibility is to steward these well, invest these well, so that when the time comes and God asks, how have you stewarded what I've given you, you have an increase. That's the absolute assumption that that's the point. You're supposed to increase what God has given you so that you can hear, well done, good and faithful servant. That's how we know that's the point. Well done, you've increased. Not well done, wicked actually, those who have not increased. So well done, you've increased. And, and then Jesus goes on top of it to say it doesn't stop there though. When you've increased, you get an attaboy, girl. well done. Now guess what? You get more. So it's well done, you've increased, now you get to increase again. You see it? How it kind of now is pointing towards this perpetual cycle of upward increase of the kingdom from glory to glory, if you will. When you steward well what you have, you increase. Jesus says, awesome, that's the point. Now I'm going to give you more. And you get to do it again. Increase upon increase is the will and heart of the Father for your life, for our life, for every aspect, those things, those areas that are hurting and broken and longing for breakthrough, needing that touch of heaven. Jesus is saying, my desire is increase and then increase some more. But let's back up a little bit. That's kind of the, the, the overarching good news end of the story. There's some incredible aspects in here. Let's look at them. One thing that stands out that is a hard pill to swallow until it becomes an incredible gift or an incredible truth. The reality that everything you have is a gift from God and ultimately belongs to God. That's this picture. God gave you talents. Listen how it starts. Kingdom of heaven is like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. And at the end of the day, he calls his servants to account and says, what have you done with my property? That's an interesting picture of life right there. That's a very God-centered picture of life. Everything we have in life, every good gift we have, gift, passion, talent, time, energy, effort, it's a gift from God that ultimately belongs to God. And at various points in life, especially at the end of our days, we are called to account and God says, what have you done with my property that I gave you? Everything in life is a good gift from our Heavenly Father. That can be an absolute clash with our pride, though, right? What do you mean it's yours? What do you mean? I'm, I'm not in control of it all? Everything we have is a good gift from our Heavenly Father. That's just something to wrestle through. No, we're not the creator of the universe. No, we're not the creator of our lives. We get to be creative in our lives. There is an abundant amount of freedom that God wants us to invest well. You notice it says he gave the good gifts and he went away. So there's your freedom. Invest well what he's given you. But there's a humility about the whole thing when your soul can encounter the reality that it's all from God. I am not the creator of this. It's not ultimately all about me. I'm not the center of the universe. It's all going back to God. 
It's all about him ultimately. Now there's great joy in freedom along the journey, but to humble our souls under the good and mighty hand of God, everything good in life is a gift from him. That's a healthy starting place. And what it does now is it infuses our life with divine purpose. I mean, how many people out there are just absolutely wrecked under the worldview that life has no ultimate meaning? What am I doing with my life? Is there purpose? What is it all for? I get up, I do the same thing over and over again. Is it all just to kind of make a buck and survive? It's just the same old, same old. What ties it all together? And it is wild. See how the, the, the oppressive burden of not being infused with divine purpose. It is, it is crushing. The soul needs to know this right here. That you, life, your life has divine meaning and purpose. God has given you much. God exists and has given you much. And everything you do is filled, infused with divine purpose because it is about ultimately you investing well, stewarding well. Everything that you have so that you see kingdom increase in your life. And that ultimately God is honored by your life. And you get the joy of walking in the abundance of that kingdom increase. Because when he increases and transforms your life with his goodness, there's nothing better. So it's a great setup. The creator of the universe gets the appropriate glory and praise that he is due. And you get to walk in the fullness of life, the abundance of life, fully alive in communion with your creator as you're made to do. Living out the gifts and passions that he's made you for. Making a significant difference in the world. Making the world a truly better place in your sphere of influence. When you grab onto those things and they become real, your life is infused with divine purpose. And life has so much meaning, so much opportunity, so much dignity when we grab hold of those things. So really our responsibility for all of life simply becomes invest well what God has given you in order to see kingdom increase. There is, you contemplate that, you meditate on that, you ask that question, does my life have meaning? What direction do I go? Do I have purpose? What's it all for? And we ask that at various stages of life. And this parable is teaching the incredible reality. The broad stroke over all of life is invest well what God has given you in order to see kingdom increase. When you're looking for purpose and meaning with what you're doing with your life, man, God has an answer. Lastly here, for me, and then I'm going to have my wife share a bit and release some holy fire. <laughs> we got to make clear on this that the responsibility that God's talking about is very personal. And so is the reward. You and only you are responsible for you, for how you invest what God gave you.
Verse 15 says, to the one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Each one, each person. This is not trying to make a me-centered universe. This is to make the reality that God wants to be in relationship with you as his beloved child. Like that John 10 passage, and I apologize, I misquoted it last week. I said Matthew 10, it's John 10, where Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. I call them by name and lead them out. He wants to be that personal, that powerful, that present in each and one of our lives. And then we put that together as a body of Christ collectively, and he speaks collectively. And we put that together on, you know, kind of that increasing, the nesting of it, if you will. But you matter to God. He has given to each individually according to their ability. So someday, and at various times in our life, in a way, we stand before God, and there's no one else there. It's not about what they did or how they didn't do it good enough in your life or they messed it up. There's no blame of other people. It's just this beautiful between you and God. God says, this is what I gave you for your good, for your glory, for your increase of my kingdom in my life. Your glory meaning (laughs) the the glory of God in and through you. I mean, because if you can get in touch with the the creative purpose that God has for you, and you go on this journey, and you recognize the gifts and talents, passions that he's giving you, and you invest those, there is a coming alive, a fullness of being alive, walking with him. (laughs) That is, I've never met a person who says, man, God gave me a bad deal. To those who know Jesus as the reward and invest in him, he is the reward and it is great. But what we see here is that it's like no one else can do that for you. And so there's this personal responsibility that is central to the kingdom increase in your life, central to the message of Christianity, central to the message of the gospel, that he's saying, you matter to me. And you have the privilege to look at your life and take divine responsibility for you. No one else can do it for you. The question he's going to ask is, what are you doing with what I've given you? I have put much in you. What are you doing to invest it well to see the kingdom of God increase? And so at the end of the day, it right there infuses us with divine purpose right there. That we don't have to wait Till, oh, the rest of the world gets it right, or the rest of the world does the right thing, or the rest of the world gets things in order, or the rest of the world is influential enough on me that I start doing the right thing. Now, those things matter, and they happen, and sometimes they don't happen. And that's what the point of this message from Jesus is, you don't wait for them. I'm looking at you. And I've given you so much for you just to invest back well so that you can see your kingdom increase. His kingdom increase, my kingdom increase in your life, 30, 60, 100 fold. I put those seeds in you of my kingdom. And for your joy and my glory, I want to see you invest those well to a hundred fold increase. So there's lots to think about in the practical realms 
we've got this uh, kingdom 2022 kingdom vision goals battle plan each and every single one of these is just one way in which we can take this reality of responding to what God does, what God initiates, his increase, his promises, his grace coming our way, and in real relationship, how can we respond to that? First of all, how can we get it clear, grab hold of the truth for that area of life, and then how can we respond? How can we partner with God in relationship? So we encourage you to keep doing work on these as an investment in his kingdom increase. And we'll continue to talk about that this coming Saturday, Next week, this is, this is the joy of what life gets to be all about. Because we're all investing in something already. The real question in life is not whether we're investing, but how we're investing. Are we investing for kingdom increase? Let's uh, pause there. I want to have my wife come up and share a bit. And we will close in some prayer. And we'll continue this journey together. This is not meant to be a we're done it's an ongoing relationship and journey with the Lord. I was praying about and trying to decide what I wanted to share. Um, being gone for however many weeks it has been, it's like I'm like burning up inside. Like I go to... <laughs> I haven't been able to come because I've had like stomach issues and been up till and not been able to go to bed till like the wee hours of the morning. But last night I said, to heck with it. I'm pulling an all-nighter because I really want to go. So I did. And I have manna to eat that you do not know about. <laughs> it's like sleep, but it's holy sleep that wasn't sleep <laughs> anyway. Um, so there's been, we are in a fast right now. And when is the fast? How long two more is it weeks. going? So it's going for two more weeks. And so um, I've always been drawn to fasting, especially in our culture, because our current culture is always um, constantly trying to get us to consume screens, you know, phones, computers, always to be consuming and entertaining. Um, Fun fact, uh, even our uh, government, you can, uh, all this is validated by doctors. I promise you I'm not crazy. Dr. Jason Fung, you can re listen to all of his, he's an amazing doctor. Lots of other doctors say this, but I'll give you his name because he says it most clearly. Um, even the idea of consuming food all day long uh, because it keeps your metabolism up is nothing but a straight-up lie that was paid for by big food companies. They actually took the science that, um, you know, like about your insulin being raised and it actually being negative and, and um, bad for your health, and I don't want to get into all the details, but um, my point is we are like frogs in the pot in our culture when it comes to constantly consuming. And if you're constantly full, you're never hungry. If you're constantly intaking, you know, even just looking at this screen, I put, um, I constantly am just kind of like, whoa, why am I like needing to go check? Why do I need to go check? It's because it's addictive, you know? It's addictive. And, and we need to be constantly we're going to go over this more next week, but we live in a culture that wants to fill us up on snacking 
so that we are never hungry for the true feast. And if we're not hungry, we're not going to be seeking and we're not going to be finding. We're always going to be kind of like half full and kind of empty because it really didn't taste that good. And, and, you know, like the enemy really just wants us to be kind of glutting on everything else so that we don't really have any hunger or room for Jesus. So anyways, I wasn't sure what I wanted to share, but I will try to keep this very brief. Um, this would be the practical st- a practical step that I'd like to share on, you know, kind of like this being good stewards to increase the kingdom. It can kind of be a little bit overwhelming of like, well, where do I start? And is it all about works? And so I actually want to point out and read a few verses. Um, so Jesus, as we're all in a fast right now, I love this verse from uh, John 4, where Jesus talks about, um, so the disciples are urging him to eat, saying, Rabbi, eat. And he says to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. And then um, again in John 5, hold on, I actually screenshotted this so I wouldn't have to go back and forth. Uh, Again in John 5, um, Jesus says, where is it? He basically says, I can do nothing on my own accord. I do what I see the 519. Sorry, yeah. Um, He says, I know, I just read it. Trying to be helpful. (laughs) Anyways, he says, I can do nothing on my own accord. I do what I see the Father doing. So we see Jesus, and he's talking about how his food is to do the will of him who sent him. But I actually want to clarify what God's will is with the next verse. So we're talking about a fast. We're talking about our food being the will of God. And this is one of my favorite verses on the planet. Now listen to this. This is amazing. And I've read it a whole lot. So hopefully you don't get tired of it. I was open it. John, no, it was Matthew 7. Okay, there we go. There we go. Okay, listen to the nuances of this. So we're looking to do the will of of him who sent us, because Jesus said, John 20, 21, as the Father sent me, so I send you. So we're supposed to be looking to partner with God for kingdom increase and to do his works. Now listen to this. This is one of my absolute favorite verses, and I feel like this is the treasure, and this is the heart of, you know, we're not going to leave here overwhelmed with, oh my gosh, how do I do, how do I be a good steward? How do I do the will of, of How do I do the will of God? How do I bring his kingdom? I don't want to, you know, mess up. So it's real simple. John 7, or sorry, Matthew 7, 21. This is Jesus. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name. So they're doing many works that look like they are furthering the kingdom of God, right? And then he said, and then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. So in the beginning of this verse, Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, is going to go to heaven. 
but the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. Then the example that he gives are people who have done many mighty miracles and many amazing kingdom works in his name. And he said, I never knew you. So our treasure and our nugget, there's not stress. There's not worry. We're not going to be fearful of, oh, am I going to be a bad steward? It's really simple. What Jesus modeled for us, John 15, abiding in the vine, abiding with him. He'll give us our next step. He'll gently lead us. He'll show us. He'll shine that light. You know, he'll be the light in the darkness for us. So our eyes are not supposed to be in fear of, oh my gosh, I have to increase my talents and I need to, you know, increase what he's given me and I need to, you know, do mighty works for the kingdom. Because if that's our focus, we are missing out on the main point, which is to be with him, to know him. He's full of grace. He's full of goodness. And as we just hold his hand, okay, daddy, you got me. I feel totally ill-equipped to do this, but I'm going to trust and I'm going to risk and I'm just going to share my heart with you, spend time with you, get in your word every day, pray, get in fellowship, just being faithful, being little kids with God. That's all we have to do. We don't need to focus and there doesn't need to be any fear on not bringing the kingdom or increasing our talents in the way that God wants us to. We just stay close to Jesus, and he shows us the way. Great. I will sing a new song. I will sing a new song. I will dance a new song.